Welcome to the Emerging Artist Podcast with Sheree Nicole. I'm Scott Markwitz. I'm the owner of Ryan Scott Media here in Naples, Florida. And today we're talking to the emerging artist who either they're starting a business, they want to start a business, creating art and serving their people, or they're thinking about it. Sheree, hello. Good morning. Good Hi, afternoon. Good morning. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing well. Yes. How are you? Doing good. I'm so glad that you invited me to help participate in your show. And today we're going to talk about going from amateur to pro. Sounds good. Yeah. It's a change of mindset, but it makes all the difference. Yeah, it does. So how do you go from amateur to pro? Let's first talk about the description of what an amateur artist is. I would consider, I guess, an amateur artist would be somebody that they love the creative process but may struggle with communicating with clientele may not see the importance of having a contract maybe struggle with knowing how much to charge but then also just seeing the importance of following through with the client providing the client with the outcome that's most important to the client. And so I think for the professional artist, there's so many things involved. Communication is absolutely critical. If you're not going to be on time or you didn't show up the day you said you were going to show up and the homeowner is texting you, emailing you, calling you, and you're avoiding their phone call. That is an amateur way of (laughs) handling things for sure. You may feel uncomfortable talking to them, but the longer you put those phone calls, those text messages off, the worse it's going to be. Because then the client feels like they're being treated disrespectfully like you don't care about their project. Maybe they've already given you a deposit. That also makes them mad. And the longer the period of time goes without communication, it just gets worse and worse. And they just get more and more angry and irritated with that. So I think addressing any problem concerns right off the bat and letting at the very beginning of the project, at the very beginning on the estimate actually, is when you establish what's expected on your part, what they can expect from you. You're going to be on time. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. And also how much you charge and what you expect in billing and what you expect from them. So everybody knows everything that's going to happen. I don't like surprises on jobs at all. And typically too. So if you're also on a job, an amateur thing that could happen is if somebody adds something, which is very common, especially when people start seeing a faux finish being done, then you'll come maybe the next day and they're like, Oh, I thought about my powder bath last night because I love what you're doing here. Can you add that to it? So do a separate contract already. And just don't assume that they are going to know how much you charge. If you don't do the separate contract, have them sign it, have them do another down deposit for that. That's what I do. You can't just assume if you don't do those things that the end of the project, you finish it all. And then you give them this nice big bill and 
they had no idea it was going to be that expensive and they wouldn't have had it done if they would have known. Always communicating, always being professional in the way that you handle those situations that arise. Yeah, that's you said something that really struck me as being super important and that's trying to mitigate as many expectations as possible. If there's anything left uncommunicated, then that opens the door to expectations that may not be accurate or may not be what you want. So could you maybe talk about that and how being communicative upfront and making agreements upfront can save you a lot of trouble? I think that is where the, originally where the very first time meeting that client comes in. And I often will say, this is what you can expect from me. I do my own work. Occasionally, I may hire other people to be with me to prep a job. That's mask and tape, and they might do the base coat, but I don't ever have that be a surprise. I always let the client know that this is what's going to happen. I let them know I'm going to be masking, moving their furniture, making sure that everything is covered. I care about their home. I don't want to get paint on their sofa or their flooring or anything else. And so I explain step by step what is to be expected. And I ask if they've ever had faux painting done before, because if they haven't, they don't really know what to expect. And so faux painting, a lot of it is done in layers. And so oftentimes if you haven't explained to the client what's to be expected, they'll see that first layer going on and then go into a state of panic. That's not what I wanted. This looks nothing like your sample board. And, but that's a conversation you would have had at the beginning on the estimate when they first picked out a finish that they realize because you've explained to them this is going to be in layers. So the first layer, you're going to see this dark color, just like when you and I did the glass beads. When the glass beads go on, they're 100% white, and it does freak people out, but you have to reassure them that it will all dry. All those little things that you just get used to as an artist, that you just do, that you just know, they don't know that. So you need to explain that to them. And I think having those things set out at the very beginning also, it it helps in there being any future problems. You're already eliminating issues that a, a homeowner might have concerns about. You've already addressed them before they become a problem. Yeah, that's definitely pro versus amateur to to set up those expectations and make agreements ahead of time. Tell us about the importance of a contract and how that plays into establishing healthy expectations. I once had a client tell me that everything in a person's contract has, you can tell what they've gone through (laughs) (laughs) because just situations that have come up as part of their contract. And so that is of how my contract is based. It's, it's changed throughout the years, according to the needs. For example, I have in my written contract that I provide sample boards, but they are owned by me. Unless a client would like to have a sample board, which I will gladly give them as a gift or whatever, but they are my sample boards. And so that's something that has been a 
thing throughout the years was some clients thinking that they owned all the sample boards they got to see. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't mean to go down that path. That's funny though. With, with the contract, I feel contract is absolutely essential because that's where everything is laid out, the expectations and also the financial aspect of what is expected as well. I really don't have any problems with anybody if we have a written contract. The only time I have had problems is when a person is irritated that I do have. There are some people that are upset that you have a written contract and why do you need a written contract? And I have worked with some that have refused to sign my contract before and unfortunately it's always turned out bad. Yeah. So I don't know why a person would refuse to have a con- everything in our lives that we do with business. You want to buy a home, a car, everything has a contract. So I don't see, I would be more leery of the person that doesn't want to sign a contract. Cherie, that is such great advice and such a good insight. And I echo that I've in my, I've only been in business for a little over three years and there have been like early on in my business, I've had problems with people not paying, you know, so, okay, I'm going to start doing contracts Yeah. and then go months and months with no problems. All of a sudden somebody gives me a little bit of a hard time, mm-hmm. not, not refusing to sign, but like questioning the need for the contract. And uh, every single time that happens, it's turned out to be, like you said, that's the client from hell. <laughs> and so that's a, definitely a red flag. And not to say that you should not work with somebody who questions the contract, but just make, just be aware that yeah. could potentially become an issue later. It, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but there are people out there that, that are trying to angle shoot and try to avoid paying their mm-hmm. contractors. <laughs> and with faux art, it is a luxury. It is not a necessity. You don't have to have it in order to live. Yeah. And if you have a problem with the price and a contract, it's not for you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a red flag for sure. What are some of the other things that somebody can actively work on to transition from being that amateur to being a pro? What are the other things that you think are the hallmark of a true professional artist? It's a good question. <laughs> what about the, you were talking earlier about you know, like showing up even when you don't want to and oh, doing the types of work that you don't necessarily want to. Yes. Not everything that you do as an artist is maybe necessarily what you want to do or is exciting you love what you do, but you also are in it because you need to make a living. And so not every job you do is going to be exciting. I do things that I don't post on social media that I do because I need other things to happen in my business life. And these other things help pay the bills. But even to give my all in every project that I do, So I had a drywall background with my dad. So I'm good at drywall repairs. Now it's something I don't advertise because I really don't want to head down a drywall business path. But that is something that I can make money at and that I can do. But that also gives me a means 
to take that money and spend it in other avenues like this new project about teaching. So now that will help me in ways so that I have the funds to pursue other avenues of my business. And a lot of times social media can be misleading because people typically only post the best of what they do. And so you'll see maybe it looks like I only work on multi-million dollar homes. That's not necessarily the case, but those are often the posts that, you know, that you see. And I've had people say, my house, I don't have a house like that. But I've done faux painting and trailer houses before too. And anyway. No, that's that's good. I love that you bring that up because in my business, I like to say that there's meaty projects. Those are the jobs that I love to do and I can't wait to dig my hands into it and create and develop and collaborate with those projects. But there's also the meat and potatoes projects, the things that are not so exciting. They're- I love that. Yeah. But there are things that are not glamorous. They're not creatively exciting, but they pay the bills. Right. And that's so important. That's definitely a mark between the the amateur artist and the pro artist. The pro artist knows that they have to meet a certain financial threshold every month. Right. They know what that threshold is and they do whatever they need to in order to do that. And then they're trying to create that room for the meaty projects so that they can have fun every once in a while and be able to show off and post that stuff on their social media. Look what I did. It is important, right? The pro understands the numbers. They're not, that doesn't mean that they're an accountant or they have accountant level skills, but they know it like the very basics. Yeah. And I do think one of the challenges for artists is there's this common thought process that or idea put out there that artists are bad with money Mm. and they aren't good with accounting. And if you are somebody that doesn't have much interest in accounting or you struggle with that, I think it's very wise to seek people out that can help you with that. And for instance, even though I did accounting, I, when I changed my business name, 2015, I changed it from Dry Creek Finishing to Sharina Cole Designer Finishes. And I wanted to save myself some money and decided I would do my own taxes that first year. That didn't go very well at all. And so then I finally decided I just needed to pay the professional accountant to do what they did and me just do what I do and go to work. So I turn everything in and the accountant says, I didn't know that you owned a business in a foreign country. And I said, I don't. (laughs) She goes, that's how you filed your taxes. So there's, I think, a Whoops. real pay the people to do their job. If that's not your thing as an artist, definitely seek out those that can help you. An accounting, bookkeeper. But you, I think that part of it needs absolutely is critical that you need need to have that aspect. If you're not good at it, then find the people that can help you that are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the best advice I think you can give any emerging business owner, regardless of whether they're an artist or not, is to make sure that they have 
somebody that they can trust that can help them with their taxes. Yeah. Because you can, as an emerging business, you can do your own accounting. I don't recommend that either, but you can. (laughs) Like, you can get QuickBooks. Starting out with QuickBooks is a good way to start, but as soon as you can, get that accountant. But I, I think that it's essential to at least account for having somebody help you with your taxes from yeah. the very get-go. That takes us into some new territory because I would like to talk a little bit about the classes that you are going to start offering soon for the emerging artist and the accounting and the way that you outsource that or do it yourself is going to be one of the things that you would cover in your classes. So if you can tell us a little bit more about what an emerging artist could look to your classes to learn and how it's going to help them get their business started in the most successful way possible. I love this business and there's so many different avenues that a person could go in this business, you don't have to do everything all-encompassing in faux painting or decorative wall finishes, designer finishes. You could have a career if you wanted to do a part-time career. I think you could do a career in just fixing furniture. Everything that seems to show up anymore that's been shipped seems to show up damaged. So I think there's a really cool aspect of that. You could just reach out to furniture places. They could be privately owned shops here locally in in Naples, Florida that you could go to and start working. That could be a whole career. There's so many different aspects. You could be just, I know people that only do Venetian plaster and that's it. And some people only do marbling and wood graining and that's it. So I, that, as far as the physical aspect, I think there are so many different avenues that a person could get into. And I want to help individuals at whatever aspect of it that they want to venture into, I would like to help them from A to Z. So one of the things I've been working with a younger couple that the wife is an artist and the husband's very good too, but he doesn't have that creativity that she just naturally has that ability but he's very willing to learn and so we are going to start we're going to do a tiktok we're going to meet with a designer that i've known for a long time they've been currently working on sample boards we're going to meet with her they're going to present their sample boards they're going to do a contract with her they're going to measure the space that she wants done they're going to figure out the products that they need get them to order the products going to prep the area we'll do the faux finish that she wants and follow it from a to z and then i'll continue to help them with also getting leads into appointments with other designers as well and getting a relationship started the word but it's going to have to be on them individually because they have to develop their own relationship with the designer and go down that path of communicating with the designer and keeping that relationship going yeah so from a to z this is an opportunity for somebody to really learn how to start their own art-based business correct yeah and this is also for somebody who has maybe started a business already but maybe they're struggling 
it can be that as well. Or maybe there's just some finishes that, and I'm not saying I know every finish. I don't. There's always something new to learn all the time. And I'm always looking for new finishes to learn myself. But I have had throughout the years, other faux painters reach out to me. One specific up in Sarasota who has a huge business and he has a lot of different artists working underneath him. And he contacted me and he wanted to know how I apply glass beads. And we had a great conversation and I'm totally fine with sharing that information. And then he gave me some tips about some other finishes that and resources that I wasn't aware of. And so I like that camaraderie and sharing information amongst other artists too. And I just would really like to see other people be involved in something that they love. So many people in this world have jobs that they hate. And I'm not saying this is easy work. (laughs) Right. But it does make life much nicer when you do something that you love. And there are not days that I haven't cried on the job. And there are not days that (laughs) I have been completely exhausted and I've worked until eight or nine o'clock at night and that sort of thing that just goes with the territory. But I can say at the end of the day that, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because this is not a get rich quick scheme. No, it's, it is hard work. It is something that you have to commit to and be dedicated towards, but certainly There's two people sitting here right now who can attest to the fact that this is a better life than being an employee. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I've had those nights too where I've cried myself to sleep. I had to do it with a pillow over my face so that my wife didn't hear me crying. (laughs) (laughs) Was it over the doing the podcast today? (laughs) No, this has been funny, Cherie, but yeah, we can't promise it's going to be smooth as glass, but it's going to be a much happier, more fulfilling way to earn your living. And I think that's an important thing to, to understand. So if you guys would like to learn more about how to go from employee to business owner, how to go from starving artist to successful artist-based business owner, please go ahead and visit shereenicole.com. That's S-H-I-R-N-I-C-H-O-L-E.com. And you'll see some opportunities to get some free courses, to peruse the paid courses, and just learn more about what it's like to be a pro artist. Thank you. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. That sounds good.